Welcome to a New Testament journey. We'll have our Bible reading followed by our devotional. Chapter 12 Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his sons? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the ones he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees, make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral, or is godless like Esau who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he could not change what he had done. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom and storm to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word would be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I'm trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. 
you have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn, whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised. Once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. I think it's really interesting how the writer of Hebrews approaches lifestyle issues. With Paul, everything is pushed back to our identity in Christ. He continually assures us that we're a new creation in Christ and therefore should live in the new creation kind of way. The writer of the Hebrews doesn't do that. This writer looks at the problems and struggles in this life and then compares them with the problems of the past. This writer always shows that now, Under the new covenant, we're so much better off than our forefathers and therefore can't really complain or make excuses about not living right. And having done that, this writer then turns our attention to God. Not so much God in us and who we are in God, but who God is in himself. This writer paints a continually and expanding, glorious fresco of the almighty God of all the ages. You get the idea that this bloke is still so completely overcome by the wonder of it all. You get the idea that this writer bounces up and down on his chair and then flings himself face down, awestruck, like the thousands upon thousands of angels in his vision. You get the idea that this writer sees himself continually standing in bold trepidation upon the most holy ground of the city of the living God, always edging closer to the judge of all men, hearing the cry of welcome, and yet daring only to edge forward all the same. You get the idea that this writer is continually putting down his pen to weep and to spread eagle himself again at the wonder of it all. He knows his God is a consuming fire. He knows his God spoke and the whole earth shook. And as he sees that, as he thinks on that, he knows with joy and certainty that all he wants to do is cling to his God and give himself to his God and worship his God. I think I would like my life and the issues that I come up with in my life to be similarly defined by such a huge vision of such a great God. Here's a question for reflection. Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. Is your vision of God joyous and awesome enough to sustain you through hardship?
we pray God's word bears fruit in your life. For all the information about the New Testament journey, head to www.anewtestamentjourney.net.